Hey, good morning, Cultivate Church, and welcome to Church Online. I'm so glad to see you this morning. I know nothing can replace meeting in person, but it's exciting to see all of you online and commenting and talking together today. If you're our guest and you're tuned in to Cultivate Church for the very first time, we want to welcome you, and we hope you enjoy your experience with us today. Our team has prepared so hard today, an incredible worship moment for you, so block out all distractions, turn the volume up on the TV, on your computer, and let's get ready to worship together. Well, good morning. Welcome to Church Online. Man, I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us today. And if you're our guest, thank you for tuning in. We're so honored that you're choosing to spend your Sunday morning here with us. And to all of our families, man, we miss you so much. And as things begin to open back up and slowly kind of return to or move into a new normal, we can't wait to see your faces again. And Today, we're in week two of a brand new series that we've called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. What to do when you don't know what to do. And and this week, I want to talk to you about what to do when you're ready to quit. You can pull the notes up there on your screen or in the comments below. And I'd love for you to follow along this morning because I believe that there's lots of people especially in the season of life that we have found ourselves in this unprecedented season over the last few months that are ready to quit, ready to give up. And can I tell you that though you may feel like you're alone and though it may feel very isolated, you're not. Even biblically speaking, there's all kinds of evidence all throughout the Bible, all through the Bible, Old Testament and New, where we see people who struggled in seasons of their life. We see it in Moses, even after the Exodus and the experience at the Red Sea, where he led millions of people across on dry land through the Red Sea. He had witnessed the hand of God. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, you see where he even tells the Lord that he wanted to die. He was depressed and struggling, ready to give up. Jesus, come on, he's the high priest. He is the Savior of the world. And even Jesus struggled uh, with wanting to give up, with wanting to quit. The Bible says in Hebrews that he's our high priest who understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Yet he didn't give up. We see when his friend John the Baptist was beheaded in Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says that Jesus went to be by himself. He reclused away. He, he struggled with uh, hurt and anxiety and depression even. We even see that before he was crucified, his sweat became blood. He was so stressed under the load of life and the decision that had to be made and the things that were going on in that moment that literally the stress load the strain on him emotionally and mentally, it became physical that his blood vessels were busting and the blood was seeping through the pores of his skin. I want you to know today that you're not alone, that there are times then that we all feel the tension, the stress, the ready to give up. Today, we're going to be talking about that isolation and loneliness and depression, our Theme text is Psalm 25 and 4, and it says this, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. 
I don't know if you're like me, but I have prayed something to that effect almost every day of my life since becoming a believer when I was 13 years old. God, you just order my steps. It says that in Psalm 139. God, order my steps according to your word. Don't let sin rule over me. And I got to tell you, I know that that's a prayer for so many people. God, you just direct me. Just guide me. But what does it look like when we are praying it, but we still don't know what to do? It seems as if we're not getting the right answers. It seems as if we're still confused. We're still lonely. We don't know what to do. What do I do when I'm ready to give up? We're going to talk today out of 1 Kings chapter 19 about a prophet named Elijah. Maybe you've heard of him at some point. Maybe some of the miracles that are recorded throughout Scripture. Even if you're kind of kicking the tires on this Christianity thing. Chances are you've heard some of the stories about this guy named Elijah. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 17, that he was a man just like you and I. It reminds us that he had same like passions as you and I did. He was of clay subject. He was uh, born of a woman, No special, nothing special about him, except he had the same trials and failures as any other believer, the Bible says in the book of James, except he just, he knew how to pray. He knew how to ask God. He was a regular guy. We see in 1 Kings chapter 18, one of the most famous stories about Elijah is he is at the top of Mount Carmel, and there are 850 false prophets. And the Bible says that he overcame them all on his own. There's a moment in that story where he calls down fire from heaven and it consumes uh, a sacrifice. And he, with his bare hands, killed those 850 uh, false prophets. And then the very next scene in chapter 18 is he goes and he prophesies about rain coming. He prays that God would make it rain. And God made it rain. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. God anointed him powerfully to do something incredible. And then comes chapter 19. That's where we're going to spend our time today. We see Elijah doing incredible things through the power of God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then comes chapter 19. Only days later of calling down fire from heaven, conquering 850 false prophets, calling down rain and God responding, he sees this woman called Jezebel in the first part of chapter 19, and she threatens his life. And nobody would see this coming. You would think the guy that you just read about calling down fire from heaven and rain and conquering 850 prophets. He wouldn't be afraid of one woman, but the Bible says that he was afraid. There's a lesson really in all of this for all of us. On one day, he sees the Lord and conquers 850 prophets. On the next, he failed to see God because he couldn't get over his problem. All he could see was Jezebel. He he failed to see the Lord. He listened to her threats, and he forgot to wait on God's promises. What happened? You see, Elijah had always waited on God's command first. He had never failed to hear from God before he acted up until that moment. This time, it was different. He allowed fear to dictate his decision. Come on, have you allowed fear to dictate your decisions in this season of life that we found ourselves in? It caused him to run into isolation into loneliness, into depression, self-doubt, even gave him suicidal thoughts because he took his eyes off of God and he placed his focus on his circumstance. 
We see in chapter 19, verses 3 and 4, that he was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And listen to what it says. It says that he left his servant there, and he went on alone. You see, when we allow fear to dictate our decisions, when we allow uh, ourselves to seep into isolation, we begin to leave people to the, on the wayside. And he did exact that, exactly that. He left him and moved on alone, found himself in a cave by himself, contemplating ending his life. I wonder how many of us have slipped into that same mistake in this season that we found ourselves in over the last few months. Fear has isolated us. Come on, we've left community. It's skewing it away as, as, as social distancing, but not really taking advantage of technology or small groups or phone calls or FaceTime. We're not connected to people, and now we're alone, like Elijah in a wilderness, ready to give up. Come on, it's gotten so bad for Elijah that he found himself in a cave by himself contemplating suicide. And he even asked God, 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 4, God, take my life. I'm no better than the ancestors before me. This is a guy that had just, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, accomplished incredible miracles. And all of a sudden, because he seeped in, he began to focus on his issue and not focus on the God of his issue. He began to focus on his issue and focus on himself, and he began to forget all of the incredible things God could do through him and for him and in him, and he began to focus on his own self-doubt, and he began to doubt his own self-worth, and he even began to contemplate ending it all. What do I do when I'm ready to quit, when I'm ready to give up? Let's pray together, and let's see what the Bible says about it. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, God, that it's alive and breathing and real. And so, God, this morning, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would perform spiritual surgery on our hearts. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready to quit, number one, you want to write this down, you need to receive refreshment. Come on, the Holy Spirit of God is ready and waiting to refresh your spirit, to refresh your circumstance. He goes on in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 7 and 8. It says, when the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up, eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, he ate and he drank for and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days, 40 nights into Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I want you to know today that God will always provide what's needed to refresh us. Many of us have walked through this entire pandemic and not picked up our Bibles. Many of us have walked through this entire season to this point, and we're so, we're, we, we've seen everything on Netflix and Hulu that they have to offer, yet we've missed the nourishment that can only come from time with the Father. We we're feeding our souls junk food and wondering why we're famished. We, we have fed on things less than God. Can I tell you, it may be good. Good is not God. I remember seeing my son a few weeks ago. I walked in at about 6.30 in the morning, and he was climbing our cupboard like a ladder. And he had in one hand a box of cookies. In the other hand, he had some candy. And that's what he was going to eat. And I walked in and shut it all down, and he was devastated. My four-year-old couldn't understand why I wasn't going to allow him to have cookies and suckers for breakfast. He didn't understand that junk food isn't 
good. It tasted good, but it wasn't good for him. How many things have you allowed into the into your spirit, allowed into your circle, uh, circle of influence in your life that may taste good in the moment, but we all know it's not good for you? How can you begin to receive refreshment from the Lord? You want to write these down. These are extra. The first thing I'll tell you, pick up your Bible. Pick up your Bible. The God of the universe has a tailor-made word for you every day. And can I tell you, it's not too much for you to pick it up every day and listen for the voice of God. It's enough to sustain you, but you have to feed on it. Number two, you need to turn on some worship music. Maybe turn down the influence of the world around you and begin to lift up the name of God in your home, in your life, on a personal level. Nothing attracts the presence of God like worshiping him. Nothing. Nothing attracts him more than giving him honor and giving him glory in the context of your own personal life. So begin to just worship God in your home, in your room, wherever it is that you would find time alone with God. Begin to lift up the name of Jesus. You don't need a live worship band to do that. You can. You really don't even need music to do that. Just begin to worship Jesus. I would say this, turn down the negative. The third thing I would tell you, turn down the negative. Turn off social media and technology for a moment. Take that IV of poison out that you're feeding yourself and begin to feed yourself with positive things. Listen, the Bible says this, that all good things come from above. Begin to feed yourself on good things, knowing it comes from the Father. Number four, I'd say find a way to serve someone this week. I know that that's looked very different over the last three months than it ever has before, maybe in your lifetime. But can I tell you, the the difficulty of serving people does not negate the responsibility of serving people. We are still called to be the church. We are the church. We exist for the world. We're still a city on a hill, a light that can't be hidden. And can can I challenge you, when's the last time you've done something to serve someone other than yourself in this season? Just because it may may be difficult to find a way doesn't mean that we're negating the responsibility of it. What are you doing to serve your neighbors, serve your family, serve your community? Find ways this week to be a generous person and serve someone other than yourself. Number five, I would say this is simple. Come on, just pick up the phone and have a conversation. All of these things are going to be refreshing, life-giving. You need to begin to receive refreshment. You can't, you've got to stop isolating yourself alone, giving in to the thought process. Question, what refreshment do I need this week? Come on, I need to get up and eat some more or the journey ahead is going to be too much. The journey ahead is too much for you to handle without being refreshed in your spirit, in your soul, with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Good isn't God. Nothing can replace the presence of God in your life. So receive refreshment. Number two, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you today that you need to listen to reason. You need to listen to reason. And a voice said to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Come on, it goes on to talk about in the next passage. Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied again, this is how we all kind of seem to get in our own walk of life. I've been here before. I've got my own reason 
for being frustrated, my own reasons for being upset. When I take my eyes off of God and place it on my circumstance, I feel so justified in feeling the emotions that I feel. Elijah did. He said, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But when the people of Israel, they've broken your covenant, They've torn down your altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. Come on, if can you relate this? Can you relate to what he's about to say? I am the only one left. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets what I'm walking through. I'm all alone. I'm by myself. He says, now they're trying to kill me too. And I love how God responded. God told him, go back the same way you came and travel the wilderness travel to the wilderness of Damascus. Because I want you to understand something today. The voice of God will always be a voice of reason. You can trust the voice of God in your life. It will always. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His understanding is far larger than our own understanding. You can trust the voice of God as a good voice of reason. Elijah had convinced himself that his ministry wasn't successful. He had convinced himself that he had worked his fingers to the bone. He had done everything he knew to do and everyone had left him alone and nobody even cared. But God reminded him of his success. He goes on in chapter 19, verses uh, verses 18. He says, I have yet still preserved 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed their knee to Baal or even kissed him. Come on, he says, Elijah, your ministry has helped save 7,000 people. You're sitting here telling me that you're all alone, that you have no self-worth, that just go ahead and let you die, that nothing you've done has accomplished anything good. And God's sitting here and God reminds him, no, 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 you don't understand. There are thousands of people that your ministry has touched, that your life has touched. Get up and go back the way that you came. There's a voice of defeat in your mind and I want you to know that it's not the Lord. It's not God speaking any of that into your life. The Bible says in John 8, 44, that it is the enemy. And our great enemy, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning and he has always hated the truth. And he is the a liar and the father of lies. John 8, 44, he's a liar and he is the father of lies. Here's the lie that maybe many of us have fallen into in this season. I'm alone. Nobody gets it. I haven't heard from my small group. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm by myself with my thoughts, struggling, ready to give up. Maybe you're just taking little baby steps. Maybe at first it's, I'm just ready to give up on God. or I'm ready to give up on church. I'm just giving up on on this friend or I'm giving up on that friend. I'm going to unfollow them here. I'm going to unfollow them there. And then one thing leads to another. And the next thing you know, you're by yourself. You feel isolated. Now you're ready to give up on God. Now you're ready to give up on yourself. You begin to feel the weight of everything coming in on you. I want to read something to you. It's in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It's not in your notes. Write that reference down. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now listen to this. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember this, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. You are not 
alone. There's an enemy of this world. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the only way to conquer him in your life is through a relationship with Jesus and through community of believers. Don't believe the lie. Listen to the voice of reason. I love what God had told him. Get up and go the way you came. See, we read at the very beginning of this message that he had left his servant and went on alone. God told him, return back to your servant. What's he saying? Stop isolating yourself. Go back to community. Go back to the people that love you. Go back to people that want to see God's best for your life and want to see you living your life on purpose. Stop isolating yourself in these moments. Get up and go back the way that you came. Maybe you can answer this in your own life. What is the way that I need to go back? Who's the person that I need to call this week, that I need to text this week, and I need to reach out to this week and say, listen, I need you to know things aren't okay. I'm struggling. I need some help. I need some prayer. I need some wisdom. I need some counsel. The Bible says that victory is found in the counsel of many. Here's the voice of reason. The first thing is go back the way you came. Get back into community. How do you need to serve somebody this week? How do you need to begin to insert yourself back into a community of believers in some way? Number two, I would tell you that you need to change your perspective. You need to know you're doing better than you think you are. Better is a perspective. And you think, man, I think I I felt like it should be better by now. It's because your perspective, you're doing way better than you think you are. Elijah, you've helped 7,000 people. You're doing way better than you think you are. And you're sitting here telling God that you've done all that you can do and you've washed your hands with it and everybody's left and nobody's left except me. Didn't he have a bad perspective? Come on, what kind of perspective needs to change in your life so that you can begin to see the value that you have? You need to do this with me, all of us, come on. You're in your home, wherever you are, wherever you're tuning in, let's take a deep breath. Come on, you're still breathing. You still have purpose. God still has a purpose and a plan. You need to shift your perspective. Listen to the voice of reason. Go back the way that you came and begin to live the life that God destined for you to live on purpose for his glory. Take your eyes off of the situation. Place it back on God. Get your eyes off of Jezebel and start placing it back on Jesus. If it's on him, you're not going to fall. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus is walking on water and Peter, come on, he's always the guy that that's doing this reaching out and he that says things before he should and and like always sticks his foot in his mouth and he's the guy that sees Jesus walking on the water and he says, hey, if you're him, let me come to you and Jesus says, come, and Peter begins to walk on water. He begins to walk on water. And in the moment, as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was walking. The Bible says that he began to look at the waves around him, and he began to sink. And that same concept is for you today. When Elijah took his eyes off God and placed it on Jezebel, he began to run in fear. When Peter began to take his eyes off of Jesus and look at the waves, he began to sink in the water. You need to listen to the voice of reason. Go back the way you came. Get back into some community. Start doing life in some form or fashion with people that love you and want to see God's best for your life and change your perspective. Change your perspective. Number three, if you're taking notes, the final thing I'll share with you today, if I'm ready to give up, 
you need to remember the call. Remember the call. So Elijah went and he found Elisha, the son of Japhat, plowing in a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away. Verse 20, it says, Elisha left his oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Then I'll go with you. I love what Elijah said. He replied, go back then, but think about what I've done for you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. See, there's that moment where he thought about it. He remembered the call. He, was, he said, let me go back and kiss my parents goodbye. Okay, you can go, but remember what I've done. Remember what, I've, remember what just happened. He didn't go kiss his parents goodbye. He went and slaughtered the oxen, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. See, here's what you need to know. Elisha wasn't a farmer. It's just what he was doing. And then the call of God was placed on his life. Can I tell you today, if you're living and breathing, you have a call of God on your life. You have a purpose to live out. And I can tell you, it's not to sit isolated away from purpose and people and what God's called you to do. You have a purpose to live out. Even now where you are in the season of life that we're in, there's a sphere of influence that needs to be influenced by you for the goodness of God in your life. He wasn't a farmer. It's just what he was doing. Can I tell you today? Hey, listen, you're not an addict. That's just what you were doing. You're not a liar. It's just what you've been doing. You're not a manipulator. It's just what you've been doing. Listen, you're not, you don't have to be in depression the rest of your life. It's just a season that you've been walking in. It's just what you've been doing. Remember what God has done for you. I want to encourage you today to remember the call and burn the plow. Don't go back. Burn the bridge. I love that Elisha went back and he killed the oxen and he burned the plow. That was signifying that I'm never returning here again. I'm never coming back to this moment. I'm never coming back to this season. Come on, there's people right now under the sound of my voice. They need to burn the plow. You need to burn the bridge. I'm never, I'm walking away. I'm not going back to pornography. I'm not going back to alcoholism. I'm not going back to a broken marriage. When this thing clears out, I'm moving forward in my purpose. I'm remembering the call right now where you are. You need to write down, remember the call of God on your life. Come on, remind yourself right now of the things that God has spoken into you for one one reason or another in one season or another of your life that you know, that you know, that you know. God's called you. He's placed purpose inside of you to live a life that honors him, to make a difference in the world. What plow do you need to burn today? You're not going to walk back into that season of life like you once lived. Maybe today is your day that you're going to leave the plow behind. Maybe today is your day. Maybe up to this point, you've lived in depression. You've lived in anxiety. You're ready to give up. You're ready to quit. You can't overcome pornography. You can't overcome the addiction. You can't overcome the anger issues. You can't overcome the sin in your life. And you don't know what to do. Can I tell you today, I'm offering you a way to burn the plow. We're offering you a way. His name is Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. Maybe that's you.
Maybe you would be brave and you would speak up right where you are. Maybe type it in the comments or maybe send us an email, info at cultivatechurch.tv. You can even click in the link in just a moment uh, and, and fill out a comment section, a comment card to give us that information. But maybe you're here today and you say, that's me. I'm stuck in this season. I'm so sick of being in it and I'm ready to give up. I'm gonna lead you into a relationship with Jesus right where you are. It starts with him. He can change everything about your life if you trust in him. So right where you are, let's pray together. Father, I love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, your mercy. Thank you that today I don't have to stay in the condition that I walked into this place with, that I tuned in with. God, use this moment. Father, I confess that there's nothing in me good apart from Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Come on, right where you are, that's you. Right now, right where you are, that's what you're praying. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on a cross and came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Your word teaches that you take my sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west. Save me, Jesus. From this point forward, I'm living a life that honors you in Jesus' name. Come on, maybe you're here today and maybe you've trusted him as your savior, but there's still some things that you need to walk away from. There's some sin in your life right now through this season, through this pandemic season that you need to walk away from. Your perspective needs to change. Your thought process needs to change. You need to remember the call on your life. And today we ask in Jesus name, Father, that you would do what only you can do. I pray that you break the bondage of addiction in people's life right now. God, we pray for that you would eradicate sickness and disease from this nation and from our country and from this world in Jesus' name. God, I pray for our communities right now. God, that there's a unity beyond what we've ever noticed or seen before. God, I pray that you would heal broken marriages. God, that you would uh, bring back to life dead things, things that we thought we've lost forever because of decisions that we've made. Help us be reminded today that you are a God of resurrection, that you bring dead things back to life. God, I speak healing into people's lives, into their marriages, into their circumstances, and that you would get all of the honor and all of the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if that was you today and you made a decision to follow Jesus, we're agreeing together. We're going to burn the plow. We're not going back to what we're walking away from today. And I want you to know that all of heaven has shut down. The Bible says when one person comes to Jesus, begins a relationship with him, all of heaven celebrates. And we want to join in heaven with you. Let us be the first to say welcome to the family of God. We're so honored that you chose to tune in with us today. And we're celebrating what God is doing in you and through you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online here with Cultivate Church. And we cannot wait to see you again here soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope is that you were able to meet with the presence of the Lord today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, there's an email on your screen that we'd love for you to send us an email or click the link in the chat below. and Just let us know about that decision. We'd love to first pray for you and secondly, send you some information on some next steps that you could take and let you know that you're not in this alone. We would love to be able to walk this journey with you as you need us. 
And if you do call Cultivate Church home and want to continue in your worship and your giving, there's ways on the screen for you to be able to do that. We just want to thank you for being such a generous church. Your generosity is making a huge difference, not just within our communities, but all over the world. And just want to remind you again this week, just reach out to someone, let them know you're thinking about them, see how they're doing if they need anything. We're not meant to do life alone. We are so much better when we are together. So go out this week, live life on purpose, and we'll see you again next week.